Welcome everybody, this is another edition of Get the KO. I am your host, Clifford Red Dog Miller. Now I know it's been a couple weeks since we've done a show, uh, but honestly we had sicknesses, even my co-host Anthony Lou Lujan, who's sick today, he's not going to be able to be on, so you get to hear me. Uh, probably going towards the future, we're probably going to get Anthony back because he won't be as sick as he has been. Um, but yo, we're gonna get into, uh, UFC Fight Night 139, 140, 141, uh, 142, The Ultimate Fighter. We're also gonna talk about, uh, Golden Boy Promotion and the kind of disaster that that was. And we'll get into talking about the Fury versus Wilder boxing fight. Uh, I, this is called Get the KO, so we don't only cover just MMA. We try to do as much as we can with the combative sports side. It is pretty tough because it is, like, all over the place. So let's just jump into it. Uh, so UFC Fight Night uh, 139. This was uh, the Denver show, I do believe. Uh, we have the uh, Pena versus Trizano. We're only going to cover the main cards for all these fights because we've missed so much. And then going towards the future, guys, you'll be able to hear um, everything that we have to say. So yeah, we'll just jump right back right into it, right? So Pena versus Trizano. Uh, this did go all three rounds. It was a great fight. Um, split decision, 29-28 Pena, 29-28 Trezano, 30-27 Trezano. Uh, split decision, like I said, towards Trezano. Uh, it was a great fight. Um, they had uh, they were engaging quite often. Strong finish from both fighters in the first round, going into the second round. It's a great grappling session by both guys. They were doing really great wrestling back and forth. And then uh, Pena, you know, tried to finish off with a Plata, uh, get into the third round. Pena's uh, striking, and he just kept trying to push the fight, but ultimately, every time he tried to do a takedown, he was just getting stuffed, so it just wasn't really working out for him. Uh, Trezano continues to land, and then Pena was eating a lot of leg kicks. Uh, Pena's leg was really messed up in this fight, so it was kind of like, it was crazy to see. Moving on to the next fight, uh, we have Barber versus Cypers. Uh, this was a great fight um, for Barber. It was in the second round, TKO. Uh, just a great great session by him man he did a great really really great job so um good first round on action on feet uh they had some great exchanges getting into the second round uh the grappling session was in full effect uh then just a great ground and pound by barber it ultimately led to the to the end so it was a great great job by barber i look forward to seeing what he does into the future uh darvish versus moises um this was a unanimous decision by darvish uh, in the first round uh, Moises tried to jump to submission really quick, but Darvish was able to fight it off. Moises continued to look for the submission, but Darvish uh, was pushing back very, very well. Getting into the second round, Darvish with uh, with a takedown, and then he had a nas uh, nasty choke uh, towards the end of the second round. Just didn't work out for him because of the bell. Then in the third round, Darvish got the, was back on the attack, and then he uh, was looking for a lot of different submissions. So it was really great, great showing by Darvish. It was just uh, it looked like it was a fun fight for him. So we're gonna move on to the next set of fights, uh, Pennington versus Derodemy. Uh So interesting fact, man, is that Pennington actually missed weight in this fight, and not by a little bit. I think she was like three pounds over, if I remember reading that right. Um, Pennington, uh, you know, she ended up losing this fight. It was a unanimous decision, thirty twenty-seven, all going to Derodemy. Derodemy is just a nasty, nasty striker. I just, I'd say she is. She could possibly be probably one of my new favorite female fighters. She's just a great uh, Muay Thai striker, so it was just a lot of fun to watch her to continue to do what she was doing. Uh, during the first round, uh, Derodemy was showing off her great defense. Paying Tip could continue to uh, push for the takedowns, but Paying Ten, she just uh, she was pressing Rodemy into the fence, trying to hold her back, uh, but Derodemy was just not having it. Getting to the second round, Pennington continued to try to push the fight forward with the takedowns. Uh, Pennington was eating a lot of shots as she uh, continued to jock for position. There was no real action in that second round, but in the third round, Rodney came out swinging. Pennington's leg was just getting chewed up by some serious, serious leg kicks, so it was great for her. We're going to move on to 
the co-main event of that fight. This was in Denver. This was the 25th anniversary show, so it was kind of cool to see a Denver kid on the card. And that Denver kid was Donald Cowboy Cerrone, who, if you guys don't know, that is actually Anthony's favorite fighter of, like, all time. You know, he just he just can't... He, he just loves him. So going into the first round, uh, Cowboy uh, was landing some pretty good strikes from the stand-up. Uh, Perry tried to land a lot of strikes, but he just wasn't kind of getting anywhere. Perry had a great takedown. Uh, Cowboy had a reversal, switched it into an armbar. This actually uh, damaged Platinum Perry's uh, arm pretty badly, actually. But it was a first-round submission for Cerrone with the armbar, so it was a great victory from him. Then we moved on to uh, to the Korean Zombie, Sung, uh, Sung Jung versus uh, Yari Rodriguez. This was, um, it was a fast fight, uh, but it was in the second round, so we'll just put it that way. Uh, Rodriguez was looking for a lot of low kicks. The zombie wasn't, uh, wasn't really checking him. Zombie looking good. He kept moving forward in the first round. Rodriguez survives after a couple great shots. Getting into the second round, a um, couple, couple back kicks, uh, spinning back kicks that were landed by Zombie. Zombie was looking for the takedown. Um, was just continuously eating at uh, Yair, but then uh, a bunch of creative combos by Rodriguez ultimately led uh, led him in that round. Getting to the third round, Rodriguez continues to attack. Uh, Zombie got in trouble. Zombie just kept pressing forward in the fight, but Yair was able to evade. Uh, Yair was slowing down, but then Zombie keeps was kept pressing forward. Get to the fourth round, Zombie was checking kicks finally. Uh, but Yair was just looking for his targets. He was just picking the shots anytime he wanted. Uh, Yair uh, dropped Zombie in the fourth round. Uh, Zombie did recover, and then Zombie ended up uh, finishing off with a huge shot of his own. Getting to the fifth round, this was like probably one of the best rounds I think I've seen in a long time. And I say that because in the fifth round, both men were trading blows, and they were attempting to take each other down. And uh, Zombie was recovering. He was getting back. Yair landed a heel kick. and, uh, and it, But at the same time that he was trying to land his heel kick, uh, he ate a right hook. But with 4 minutes and 59 seconds left, uh, Zombie went in to go throw a last second shot. And Yair ended up throwing this random elbow that landed and knocked out Yair Rodriguez which ultimately gave him the win with one second left. Uh, this, this round was a fun round. I mean, when I think about the other rounds where just an individual round made me think, like, how great the fight was. You know, you have people like Fedor Milenko versus um, Dan Henderson. That was such a fun round to watch. It was a great first round, even though it, it, it ended with uh, Dan Henderson winning. Uh, then you had... Not that I'm not a Dan Henderson fan. Um, then also, you know, you had the Force Griffin versus uh, Stefan Bonner in the very first Tough Enough fight. Like, that fight just kept going and going and going and going. It was great to see. So, um, <clears throat> this was a great fight by both men. It was just a great, great attempt. I just, there's nothing really more that you can say. Yair came out, showed off what he wanted to do, and, and ultimately got it. So, we're going to jump into UFC Fight Night 140. Uh, Cavello versus Bethelo. Uh, this was in a, just a round one. Cavillo did miss weight in this round two. She ended up winning by a first round submission. Just looking great. Uh, she ended up getting a tap out with a rear naked choke. So congratulations to Cavillo. Um, she is a, she's one of our fan favorites as well. Moving on, we had Vera versus Kennedy versus Kennedy. Uh, in the first round, Kennedy with an early arm bar, but... Uh, he ended up letting up. Kennedy then tried for another takedown. Kennedy was very aggressive in the first round. And then in the second round, Vera comes out pressuring. He landed a nasty knee that dropped Kennedy. Kennedy was still kind of out on his feet, and Vera came with a comeback. Ultimately, ran, grabbed his back, finished the fight with a rear naked choke in the second round. This is a great job by him. Uh, the next fight that we have was uh, Heinzich versus Ferreira. Uh, Heinzich ended up winning this fight. Uh, unanimous decision. Uh, third, 27, 29, 28, 29, 28. So, uh, first round, Ferrer was moving very well. Heinz, uh got the takedown, but kept, kept looking for an arm bar. And the second round, Heinzich knew that he could just keep getting the takedown. So, he was just controlling Ferrer for the whole round. Uh, Heinz kept landing uh, great shots towards the end of the round. And then in the third round, 
Heisich just took down Ferrer again, got him back up, landed a couple punches, and then continued to move on towards uh, picking his targets. It was a great fight. It was a great look on uh, Heisich's part, so congratulations with that win. We're going to move on. Uh, we have Roundtree versus Walker. So this was the first round KO by Walker. It just, it's, it sounds like it did. Walker uh, landed a huge knee, you know, with a bunch of nasty elbows, and ended up uh, finishing Roundtree. And that's pretty much all you can say about that. <laughs> uh, we then had Lamas versus Elkins. Uh, this was a lot of fun to watch. So in the first round, we had Lamas with good stuff on takedown attempts, and Lamas was good at pressuring into the cage. Solid takedown by Lamas going in the second round with Elkins uh, trying to get up, but Lamas... Landed a couple nasty shots. Alice uh, Elkins ended up getting busted wide open. Uh, Lamas just ended up just picking the shots after that. So in round three, we had Lamas stuffing a takedown attempt. Elkins with a great exchange. Lamas landed a nasty shot. It ultimately just dropped him. Uh, this was the third round TKL Lamas over Elkins. We're going to move on to Magby versus uh, Ponzi Bebo. Sorry if I slotted that name. Uh... So one of my friends, his name is Justin Stark, so probably on the show a couple times. His favorite, um, he's actually good friends with uh, Neil Magby. This was kind of a, a kind of a devastating fight to watch. Uh, so round one, we had Magby coming in, uh, covering his eyes from a jab. Uh, Magby was still kind of a reluctant to engage. Uh, Pawns kept the attack uh, with the last second exchange. Going into the second round, Magby comes out swinging, but uh, this. Swing out in this round, Pons refuses to engage into the ground game. Magby landed a nasty punch um, on the eyelid of Pons. Pons then lands a jab, uh, jab to, to Magby. And then going into the third round, uh, Pons continued to pressure the fight, and then he um, just kept stalking Magby. And it looked like Magby was he was pretty hurt, but he kept he just refused to engage, refused to silence to the fight. Um, another late kick by Magby, and then he pulled up. We get into the fourth round. It was a right hand to the face of Magby that ended up ending the fight. So fourth round knockout by Pons over Magby. Um, I know that Justin said that he was going to talk to Magby about the fight plan and also about what happened with the fight. So hopefully we can get some more details about what happened in that fight because it was kind of a it was kind of a bummer deal because I'm a huge fan of Magby. So we're going to move over to UFC Fight Night 141. This was the China card. Uh, there was a, like really only four fights on the main event. We're really not going to dive too much into them. These fights were at like 6.30 in the morning, and I I live in uh, on the East Coast, so I wasn't going to be able to get up for that, especially watching all the other fights that were going on. So let's just jump in. So we had Lee versus David. Uh, this was a TKO by body kicks. It was a nasty kick. I did watch the highlights for this, so it was pretty cool to watch. Uh, you had Song versus Morales that ended up in decision. Uh, third, uh, all three rounds, obviously. Then we had the Overeem versus Bob, uh, Pavlich uh, TKO in the first round. If you guys have not seen that knockout, please go check that out. What a brutal hit. I thought Pavlich... He hit the ground. He was out cold. Over and he jumped him. Just finished him off. It was quite a sight to see. I'm not going to say that Alistair is back and that Alistair is the man and blah, 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 blah. But Alistair did look good. So it was definitely it was good to see for him. Uh, and then the main event for that fight was the Nagano versus Curtis Blades. Uh, so previously, Nagano had lost his last two fights. One was to... Uh, Daniel Cormier, and obviously he was just going to be outclassed in that one. It was just a great wrestling session. Um, then the next loss that he had was actually to Derek the Beast Lewis, who ended up being a title contender. And I think the frustrating thing was is that Nagano refused to engage with Derek Lewis, and it was almost like he was afraid to fight. And ultimately what we saw was the UFC said, okay, well, if you're not wanting to fight, Let's get you into a guy you can engage with and probably somebody that you've beaten before. And ultimately what we saw was that. So Nagano had beaten Curtis Blades. They get into this fight and Nagano came out and in 44 seconds knocked out Curtis Blades. And it looked like Nagano was back to being the Nagano of old. So going forward towards these other fights, 
we'll see. We'll see what it is. It, it could be nothing. It could be something. Who knows? So we're going to jump over to the... Actually, before we jump over to the UFC main event card for the Ultimate Fighter, there was the Golden Boy promotion that happened the same day as the UFC fight night in China. So the China card took place at 6.30 in the morning, and at 10 o'clock at night, we ended up having the Golden Boy promotion MMA. Now, for some of you who probably didn't know this, uh, Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz did fight on this card. This was a final fight, uh, or the, the main event fight, the headliner fight. And I think the troubling thing was that in this fight, we had Chuck Liddell, who had a fight in eight years, versus Tito Ortiz. And Tito Ortiz has still been fighting, still been training for probably, you know, for that, for that time, for that eight years. And even if he fights once or twice a year, he's still getting some mat time where Chuck isn't. So Chuck showed up to this fight and Chuck Liddell looked, he looked like Chuck Liddell. He was in shape. He looked like he was ready to go. He looked like he'd been training really hard. And then that steel cage door closed and when that door closed that was that was about the last time that you would see Chuck Adele look like the old Chuck Adele because that bell rang and as that fight got started you soon realize Chuck was he's old he is and it, it's sad to say because I'm a huge Chuck Adele fan but the problem is is a fight like this you're gonna tarnish so he moves in and he's kind of dancing around and trying to engage. He's looking to pick his shots with Tito, and Tito was just in the headhunt. He knew what he was going to do. He had the game plan. He had a great game plan for an old Chuck Liddell, and they executed it. Ultimately, what ended up happening is that Chuck Liddell uh, got knocked out in the first round, and it was like Tito Ortiz was like so proud of beating Chuck Liddell. Like, I get it, right? You're a form, you're a UFC Hall of Famer. Chuck Liddell's a UFC Hall of Famer. You guys' careers have pretty much mirrored each other all the way through. You know, lightweight champion, lightweight heavyweight champion. You guys were, you know, always being compared to each other. You, you know, Tito was always seen as like the little brother to Chuck Liddell from past UFC videos and interviews. And it's just... Why? Why are you so proud to knock out Chuck Liddell, who hasn't fought in eight years? I guess say it again. Hasn't fought in eight years, but you were proud that you knocked this man out. You're going to put it as a feather in your cap. And not even at that, right towards the end of the fight, when they were interviewing, Tito then says, I've accomplished everything I wanted to do in my career. Uh, Chuck, you pushed me to be my very best. And I want you to stay here at Golden Boy Promotions, but I'm going to retire. No, dude. He needs to retire, too. And not even two days later, there's Tito Ortiz talking about it with somebody else on the, on the air and talking about how he thinks Chuck needs to retire, too. That he's not going to run back another fight, which, one, I agree, shouldn't run that fight back because it's done. But... In the real aspect of everything, you only wanted Chuck Liddell at this point of his career where he's been retired and you pulled him out of retirement just so you can get your last run, your last victory. And it's tough for me to take that fight seriously because it just it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense for him to take that fight. There are loads of other people that have beaten Tito Ortiz. And there are loads of other people that would have been in a better shot than Chuck Liddell. I think the other part that I had a problem with is that Oscar De La Hoya, it was something that Dana White had said, um, that Oscar De La Hoya promoted this fight like a boxing fight, right? Like a boxing match. And I don't have anything against boxing. It's just... Here in the United States, it's 10, 12 decent to excellent names that are going to be attached to the card, whether it's UFC or even Bellator, 
we understand what we're going to get. Even in the Super Fight League over in India, we know that all these names are big name guys. They're draws, right? But in this fight card particularly, we only got Chuck versus Tito. And I don't mean to knock other other fighters that were on the fight card because I'm t other kids that were fighting on the fight card, they looked good. I didn't I didn't have an issue with them. I didn't see anything wrong. I just ultimately thought that you need to have at least six big draws to the world of MMA. And Oscar De La Hoya wanted to give a bunch of kids that were up-and-comers, he wanted to give them their shot. And by all means, thank you for doing that because the world of MMA needs to have new stars, right? And kids that show up and shine. But what we ended up seeing was kids that really didn't show up on a big stage or wasn't able to fight on a big stage they just looked timid in front of the big crowd and then you got chuck and tito like ultimately it should have just been it it was just chuck and Lito, uh, tito like that's all we got man and if there's a lesson to be learned for for oscar de la hoya it's that okay we need to have a few more big names we need to have a bunch of other guys that are going to be on this card because ultimately two guys cannot carry an MMA card. And I'm not saying that that's not what it's going to be for the future, but if you look at the way the UFC has structured things, there's always four to six names of people that are like, I recognize that name or I recognize that name, you know. And we're, we're talking about like whether you're a champion or not, Demetrius Johnson, he'd always have some other big name, whether it's TJ Dillashaw, Cody, Cody Garbrandt. Um, we could look at Anderson Silva. GSP was always around there. Cain Velasquez. We know the names, and those guys were almost always attached. And there were huge stars that were coming out. John Bones Jones, DC. You know, it's just you can't have limited number of fighters on these cards and then expect to have a multi-million dollar draw. You may have gotten like some of the older, old heads of MMA to say, yeah, you know, I'll watch the fight because of this. But that's, ultimately, you're just going to end up losing out. So let's get off of like the soapbox for a second. <laughs> We're going to move over uh, to to Friday nights. And uh, we're actually recording this on Sunday, December 2nd. So, so Friday night, we had the UFC Ultimate Fighter fight card. Uh, so we're going to start off with Kim versus Shoshenko, and no, this would be the younger sister, Antonina, because the older Shoshenko will be fighting next week on Saturday, December 8th, and that will be against, um, uh, Jerzeski. so it'll be a fun fight to watch for that one. Alright, so... Uh, Shoshenko came in, she was landing nasty combos, also she scored a takedown. In the second round, Shoshenko um, showed that she loves the counter, she is a counter striker. Uh, you know, she was, there was a lot of thrown punches by Kim, but she was ultimately deflecting. Kim was trying to push, but she kept getting countered. Uh, Shoshenko looked, she looked very comfortable in the octagon. Obviously her older sister has been able to give her a lot of great pointers. And then Antonia, uh... She was just one step ahead the whole fight. So when we got into the third round, Shoshenko, uh, with a great catch of a kick, went for a takedown. Uh, there was a point where I think the fight should have taken a point from Shoshenko because uh, Kim had three points down the ground. She had both her knees in her hand. And as she was getting ready to come up, her hand hadn't quite left uh, the ground yet. Shoshenko landed two nasty knees to the chin. It didn't finish Kim. Kim got up. It looked like she was okay. But obviously the ref had to stop the fight and have a discussion with Shoshenko. So a couple of legal knees there. Point probably should have been taken, but it wasn't. Uh, you could obviously see that Shoshenko is a huge Muay Thai fan. She loves the Muay Thai clinch. And then a great exchange in like the five tw uh, final 20 seconds. So it's a great shot from them. Ultimately, what we had seen was a 30-27 unanimous decision all going towards Shershenko. So, you know, congrats to her on the win. Uh, then we had Stuart versus Shebezina. Sorry, I know I'm going to slaughter some of these names. Um, so this did go all three rounds. And in the first round, uh, we saw Shaw was uh, holding Stuart in place. Stuart, 
Stewart looked like he was smelling blood. He was trying to throw a lot of punches. He landed a great, uh, he landed a great takedown. It looked like he was trying to go for for blood, but just wasn't able to finish. Shaw, uh, he had a great takedown. Stewart got back up, uh, but he was looking exhausted. Obviously, he had punched himself out from round one. Shaw then um, had another great takedown. He locked in a body triangle. It looked like he was just gonna ride it out, which is exactly how he did. Coming to the third round, Shaw had another great takedown. Stewart had a nasty elbow. Shaw uh, obviously cut him, then got him up, got him to another takedown. And when I say cut, I mean he let him up. So he got another takedown. Stewart then jumps uh, Shaw. He dropped Shaw with a huge bomb. Uh, and then Shaw was able to reverse that into just a huge takedown. So the, it was a great job by him. This fight went 29-28. Um, uh, Shaw, 29-28 Stewart, and then 29-28 Shaw for the split decision. This was a great fight. It was a fun fight to watch. Uh, great up-and-comer kids. It was, it was just a time for them to kind of show up and show out. Okay. So we're going to move on to the uh, Munez uh, Carway fight. This was a uh, first round uh, knockout for um, Munez. Uh, Munho's, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, <laughs> Munho's, uh, finished this, uh, Car Caraway, uh, was just eating a lot of shots at the front, uh, Munho's finished the fight after landing just a nasty liver shot, which ultimately just kind of ended his day, so, you know, great job to that, uh, next up we had, uh, Chisum versus, uh, uh, Kinzad, so Chisum, uh, she was, she had an exceptional range, man. She could land, she was landing strikes from kind of all over. Uh, and was looking for takedowns. Great exchange between the two. Cheezen uh, uh, tried to finish the fight with the neck crank. She had it locked in. It looked tight. It looked very uncomfortable. But, you know, credits to uh, Kinzad for just riding it out. Uh, getting into the second round, Kinzad had uh, great leverage. Cheezen lands into the punch. Kizan, uh went down. And Kizan looks... For the arm bar, Chizen, uh ended up reversing it. Uh, they were locked out. It was it's kind of a weird belly down arm bar. But ultimately, what Chizen did is she rolled over. She got uh, she got her body on top of uh, Kizad's body and then rolled over. She got onto the back. She finished the fight with a rear naked choke, and uh, it was just just great for the tap. So. Great job for her on that. Uh, next fight that we had was Espina versus Frazier. Uh, this was a run first round submission armbar. Espina lifted and slammed Frazier. Frazier gets up, only to get taken back down. Uh, Espina was looking for the key lock alt first, and then um, instead, uh, Frazier tried to defend. He tried to straighten out his arm, and as soon as he straightened out his arm, he got locked out for the straight armbar. So it was a great job. Uh, and then. We had our main event, I believe. This was the main event for the night. Yep. So we had Rafael Dos Anjos versus uh, Usman. And it's too bad that Anthony's not here today because he would be going off about Usman. Uh, for some of you guys who don't know, Usman wrestled at the University of Nebraska Kearney, which is kind of a big deal for me and Anthony because uh, we are huge fans of the Lopers. So shout outs to UNK. Uh, so in the first round, we had RDA, RDA landed a, a nasty three-hit combo. Uh, Usman got the takedown. Usman was trying to work for other takedowns, uh, but there was a nasty upkick that RDA threw, and I thought, uh, thought that could possibly finish the fight, but it did not. So getting into the second round, it was a great takedown by Usman, a uh, great submission attempt actually by uh, Dos Anjos. Uh, lots of exchanges between these two into the second round. As we get into the third round, Usman was looking to engage. Usman was getting uh, better shots, looks for the takedown, and then he finally got one. Uh, then he ended up letting RDA ended up getting back up. Usman um, went for another takedown, but RDA defended it well. Uh, RDA was getting better at exchanges towards the end of the round. So as we get into the fourth round, Usman uh, was finding his range with the strikes. He scored a takedown. He continued to grind RDA, and then RDA, his endurance finally went. He just got tired. He just couldn't fight it and just kind of uh, died out. We're getting to the fifth round. 
Usman was going for broke. Uh, he's just he was just moving and moving and engaging. Usman got the takedown. RDA and Usman started throwing. Uh, RDA looked for a choke, but Usman continued to fight. And then Usman ultimately got back on top and then started grinding it out. This was a unanimous decision by Usman. So uh, 50-43, 49-45, and 48-47. And now we're going to move on into UFC Fight Night 142. Um, This is just, like I said, we're just only talking about the main cards. So we first start off with Crute versus Craig. And in the first round... Uh, Craig comes out swinging. He scores the first takedown. It was a nice pass by Crute. Lands in the half guard. Crute throws punches. Lands funny. Um, and gets the takedown. Uh, and then he moved into an arm arm triangle choke. Uh, the one thing about this arm triangle choke was he couldn't, he wasn't trying to get uh, body to body. He just kept trying to move. It was kind of a weird, weird way to try to end, but he got stuck into the cage. He couldn't torque anymore. Um, going to the second round, Craig was with uh, Craig with the t- uh, takedown. Uh, then he just started controlling most of the round. Crew, uh was able to get up and get a takedown of his own on Craig. Go to the third, uh, actually, and then Craig uh, continued to score his own takedown. Uh, Crew was content with staying on the ground. Crew defended the takedowns, and um, he ended up going for a submission. Uh, towards the end of round. Towards round three, Crute had to score the takedown. Crute locked in the arm triangle. And he just remained on top. Crute ultimately was looking for some ground and pound up on top. Uh, Craig went to throw a punch. Didn't get it. And uh, Crute caught his arm. Locked him down. And then uh, finished off with a Kimura. So it was the first Kimura that I've seen in a, in a while in the UFC. Um, it's not a normal hold that you start seeing anymore. People usually go for like, you know, whether they're, uh, arm bars, you know, a couple of leg locks have been kind of been thrown around lately. Uh, rear naked chokes and guillotines are usually like the, the big ones that you'll see. But for this time around, man, seeing a Kimura lock, kind of a cool, refreshing thing to see. <laughs> Sounds weird to kind of say it like that. So the next fight that we're going to move on to was, uh, Sume... Uh, Mokhtarian versus Yusuf. So, this is kind of a controversial fight, right? So, Yusuf looked to rush. He kept pushing the tempo. Uh, Mokhtarian uh, was defending well. Yusuf landed at an over high and right, but uh, Mokhtarian fell into the cage. And then Yusuf uh, just kept landing shot after shot after shot. The crazy thing was is this fight ended up being a first-round TKO for Yusuf. Um, but as he's landing the shots, like, Suman was defending. He had his hands protecting. He was intelligently defending. I think the thing that kind of threw it off for the ref, though, was that he, he ended up stopping the fight, saying that too many shots were landing on, uh, Suman. So, you know, uh, Mukhtarian tried to, to argue it and say that it wasn't right, but ultimately Yusuf got the win. So, congratulations on the first round TKO. Um, also, Yusuf is from Maryland, which is where I reside currently. So, it's kind of cool to see, you know, that he was from the East Coast. This fight was based in Australia, but he did uh, he did get the win. So, it was definitely fun to watch watch a, the, the local kid get his win. Uh, moving on over, we got Matthews versus Martin. Um... So in the first round, we had Matthews circling against Martin. Uh, Martin and Matthews began throwing. Uh, Matthews dropped Martin and jumped him for a guillotine. And it was, it's probably one of the fastest guillotines I think I've ever seen someone try to wrap up in. Uh, kind of a quick scramble with Martin coming out on top. That was the end of the round. So we got into the second round. Matthews was throwing a flying knee, which was just insane to see. He was just so, he was so fast. Like, I... Got to give it to Matthews. He looked really good in this fight. Uh, Martin did defend. Then Matthews uh, just ate a couple punches, but then he delivered two shots of his own. So he got hit in the face and he walked through the punch and delivered his his two hit. Um, and that was just that was kind of like the big highlight for the round. Um, in the third round, Matthews uh, tried to throw, tried to shoot. 
um, he did a throw to shoot, so he tried to throw a two-hit combo and then go right into a shot. Uh, it was defended well by Martin. Uh, then Martin got up on top, and he ended up catching Matthews in this anaconda choke and just ended the fight. And Matthews didn't even tap. He just passed out. And Martin had to tell uh Tell him like tell the ref like he's out he's out he's out and the ref was like no and then he goes to check him sure enough he was out stop the fight so Martin with a third round submission based on an anaconda choke so it was good for him I liked seeing it so congratulations to him on that um, after this fight this was probably the next couple fights were actually kind of surprises so what we didn't have in was Mauricio Shogun Hua versus uh, Tyson Pedro. Um, in the first round, Pedro came out. He landed devastating shots uh, on Rua or Hua. Hua then uh, recovered from the shots. He kept pushing the tempo. Um, then Pedro landed another nice shot on Hua. I thought the fight was going to get stopped at this point, um, but the fight kept going. It, again, it goes back to intelligence defending. He was trying to throw. It was one of those sites that you you just. Watching Hula survive the onslaught of punishment that was being thrown at him by Pedro reminded you of like the toughness that Hula had with him. So Hula, uh, you know, with a uh, with a takedown, he had the takedown, got into side control, kind of rode it out. Getting to the second round, Hula lands on Pedro. Hula with the takedown, Pedro uh, was looking for a Kimura lock, but Hula was just holding on to side control, so he wasn't letting up. Getting to the third round, though, Hua landed a nasty shot on Pedro. Uh, and Pedro tried to defend, but ultimately Hua, being Hua, he just kept going, kept going, kept going. And uh, just kept landing more and more shots. And then ultimately was a TKO uh, by Hua in the third round. So, you know, big win to him for that. Then we're going to move on to the main event of UFC Fight Night 142, right? So... This was Dos Santos versus uh, Tuivasa. Uh, so in the first round, Tuivasa was rushing for takedowns. Uh, Tuivasa was landing on JDS. JDS uh, got caught and rocked a couple times. Uh, getting into the second round, though, JDS landed a shot on tu- uh, Tuivasa. And uh, you could kind of see that <laughs> JDS was trying to get back to the old form of JDS. So Dos Santos, uh, he just looked at him. He said, yo, let's go, let's go. He got caught again. He got um, Tuivasa got caught, got dropped. And then JDS, man, so he jumps on top as Tuivasa goes down. And it looked like Tuivasa was trying to defend up until the point where JDS landed this heavy hammer fist. And <laughs> Dan Hardy was announcing this fight and it said he said it looked like it looked like King Kong was just beating down on airplanes and it looked that way because as JDS was throwing hammer fist it was just raining down and uh Tuivasa just ate all of them and ultimately got knocked out it was crazy it was not it, it it was very brutal, and there was just there was really nothing for it, man. It was just one of those insane things that you would wouldn't expect to see, and uh, that kind of ends uh, the fight, the the fight those fight cards. Um, also, there was another big fight that was going on, and I kind of want to address it too. Uh, so while UFC 142 or Fight Night 142 was going on, on pay per view. We had Tyson Fury versus uh, Wilder fight, right? So for some of you guys who don't know, Tyson Fury had taken off like the last three years. He wanted to come back. He believed that he was a champ. He lost a lot of weight to get into this fight. He goes and he fights uh, Wilder. Now, depending on who you are and what you believe, um, Tyson won the majority of these rounds he was the more dominant fighter he was eating a lot of shots but he was delivering a lot of shots but there was a key part of this fight that a lot of people did not expect right and while there's boxing if you want to call it that 
he looked like he was forcing a lot. He was rushing it. And he's even acknowledged it on his own interview that he was pushing and rushing too much. But with that being said, he had two key knockdowns that happened. One was in the 10th and one was in the 12th. Or was it the 9th and the 12th? Either way, Tyson hit the ground and... The first time he hit the ground, he just kind of, he went one knee down, he got back up, he said, yeah, I'm ready to go, let's roll, blah, 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 blah. Then he just kept getting caught, caught, and caught, and then he would deliver a couple shots. But the other problem was that Wilder started forcing his shots so much that he started to wear himself out. And in the 10th and 11th round, it was very obvious that he was worn out. So we get into the 12th round, and Tyson is just calling him out. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Gets caught, flattened out, flattened out. And <laughs> if it wasn't for one of my friends saying it, I probably wouldn't have thought about it either. But the count goes on. One, two, three, four, five, six. Then it looked like somebody's alarm went off, and he got up. So quick. So five, six, seven. All of a sudden, Tyson's up. Eight, nine. Are you okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm good to go. And then they go, and they start they start boxing again. And it was a it was a great match. I mean, I'm not gonna lie about it. Uh, Fury ended up taking a lot of the you know he delivered a lot more punishment uh, in the towards the end of the round. But it just looked like Wilder just got tired because he was he was forcing the shots once. Uh, the fight was over. Again, we go right back to what it's like for boxing, right? It's, hey, we have a rematch clause. We're going to do the rematch. It's the big thing that we want to do, blah, 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 blah. And ultimately, like, it was cool. But what we saw was it was a 113-113 draw. Like, and yes, if you're wondering, the third judge actually had the fight going towards Fury. So we had a majority draw, and I think my problem with this fight was, one, Fury Fury did win most of the rounds, but two, every fight that I've watched lately in the boxing world has ended with a draw and then moved on to a rematch, right? So if you're wondering, Tyson, Fury, uh, Triple G, and Canelo... And then Triple and G Canelo again. It was, it's been, these last three fights, they're not taxing. They're not. They're, they're fun fights, by all means. But it's just, if you're looking to make money on a second fight, why not just have, don't have a rematch clause. Make these guys go for broke. Once they go for broke, and one of lose, then say, hey, let's run it back. But... All these rematch clauses only guarantees you that there's going to be another fight and that there's going to be another way to make more people buy into the fight. And if you look at someone like, if you look in the world of MMA, right, you don't see anybody having rematch clauses. And I, and I only see that in a sense of, like for Dana White in the UFC, like the only fight that I can strongly remember there being a rematch right afterwards would have been Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz, right? So Conor took the fight on like one week notice. He lost. And then he said, I want a fight. I want a rematch. Gets a full camp in and then beats Nate Diaz, which now we're still kind of wondering about the third fight. But even since that fight, right, we've come to see that Conor has fought Floyd Mayweather in his boxing fight from last year. And we've seen the Khabib fight. But we haven't seen them run back to Nate Diaz for a third fight. And those guys are one-on-one against each other. So I think at some point, you're going to have to get rid of these rematch clauses. You know, I don't remember them in the old days of boxing when you had De La Hoya and Bernard Hopkins and Roy Jones Jr. I don't remember seeing those, hey, in case factors. Like, why are you planning on losing this fight or even getting a draw in this fight? Just in hopes that you can make a lot more money in the second or third fight. Doesn't make sense to me. The only fights that I thought 
were really worth watching and paying for all over again would have been the Mickey Ward Arturo Gotti fight and all three of those fights were great you know and another person I could think of too that I love watching fight was Johnny Tapia man like guys who are willing to get in there and throw bombs eat shots and battle through what they're doing like I just think back to like the days of like Felix Trinidad, Vernon Forrest, and those guys in the boxing world, and they didn't, they didn't sign for rematch clauses. They may have fought for them, they may have got another rematch because they lost, but I don't remember ever being in a contract where so, and a fighter is so open about saying, "Hey, I have a rematch clause, so I'm just, I'll just rematch it." Like, why are you so willing to to say, "Well, just in case I lose, I just want another shot back at my title." No, it should have been. Hey, it's now or never. Like, we don't know. And I just, it's frustrating to see. It's frustrating to get to. And that's kind of like, I think that's why I like the world of MMA so much more now. It's just that these guys will live and die on the sword. And, you know, other than, I guess other than Conor McGregor's last fight against Khabib, where Conor's coach has come out and said that they fought more to not lose the fight versus to win it right and for some of you guys who don't understand like they played more of a defensive tactic than they would have played in any other fight but they but Connor's team was scared to try to win the fight against Khabib they didn't realize that Khabib was going to be as defensive as he was and Connor wasn't really looking to push and then once he started pulling once Khabib understood that he took the fight to him and ultimately went out fight so it just it's weird to see people talk about rematch clauses so openly and act like, oh, yeah, no, it's cool. I don't worry about it. I'm just going to do what I got to do to make more money on the back end. And everybody talking about cash. Like, I get it, man. Cash rules everything around me. But <laughs> we, at some point, have got to hold ourselves credible to this sport. And and this, the sweet science of boxing is needs to be acknowledged and held to a higher standard than, well, if I lose, I'll just make more money on the back end because people like to see the comeback story. So I know for me, that's just kind of how it is. Um, you guys let me know you guys' comments. You guys can leave them on uh, wherever I'm at. You guys know how to at me. So um, we're going to, uh, I think that's, that's really, we're going to kind of wrap things up today because we do have the Max Holloway-Brian Ortega fight coming up. This is going to be a massive fight. Um, also, future fights that are going to be going on. We know that John Bones Jones is fighting Alexander Gustafson at the end of this month. So, can't wait to see that fight. We know that DC wants to either fight Brock Lesnar or even uh, John Jones. Which, on my note, I would much rather see Bones Jones versus DC than Brock Lesnar versus DC. And only reason why I say that, right? And a lot of people are going to be kind of like, well, yeah, but Jones has beaten, has beaten, has beaten DC twice, right? One time, he just dominated the entire fight. And the second fight, he knocked him out with a head kick. Yeah, but Cliff, what about all the drugs and stuff that he did? Yeah, I get it. I know what you're saying. But... As we've seen that USADA's testing wasn't perfect in that instance. And what we ended up finding out was that, yes, there was an accidental ingestion of Turinitobol. I say that with, with quotes. I know you guys can't see it. But he accidentally ingested uh, performance-enhancing drugs, right? So there was a steroid that he decided he took in his meat, which apparently came from China. So... I, it is what it is at that point. You can say what you want. But I think the thing that we're missing is that one year before, John Jones acknowledged that there's one big weakness in DC's game. It's huge. And if you can land it, you can finish the fight. And a whole year later, we saw that game plan get put into play. Now, John Jones is in the gym. He's lifting. He's powerlifting. He's getting stronger. He's getting faster. John Jones is looking phenomenal now what i'm curious to see is with this fight coming up how well will john jones be you know after being being away from the octagon for almost 15 16 months so 
it'll be it'll be interesting to see. I'm definitely hyped about this fight with uh, Alexander Gustafson. And if he can win this fight and stay clean, I would love to see him go against DC for the heavyweight title. I think um, John Jones deserves it because he's beaten DC twice. Then after that, it is kind of what it is. Uh, I just, you know, Brock Lesnar hasn't fought since UFC 200. And I think the more you include Brock Lesnar into the UFC at this point of Brock Lesnar's career while he's still at the WWE, it's just dangerous for the sport because it no longer becomes a legitimate fight. It just becomes a spectacle. And then you might as well just say it's the UEC, the you know, Ultimate Entertainment Championships because that's what you're doing. You're just looking for that entertaining guy who can draw a lot of, a lot of crowds. And by all means, I don't doubt that. But some of these guys really want to fight. And, and it's a real-life scenario. And I think the more you start to say, yeah, we'll include Brock Lesnar because he's, he's, a le he's legit. He was years ago before he got knocked out twice. And now we <laughs> he comes back, he fights Mark Hunt, and all he did is he took down Mark Hunt, he grinded out the fight, which that's a legit game plan, and I don't doubt it because Mark Hunt can't defend a takedown. But... What do you, how do you, how do you justify that he deserves a title shot when we're getting ready to have UFC, you know, 232? Two, two, two. You know, how do we, how do we announce that he deserves those fights when he has a fight in over 30 cards? So, it is what it is. Guys, let me know again. Like I said, um, if you guys want to talk to me, you guys can reach out to me, uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Snapchat. It's uh, at CM underscore Miller 85. As always, uh, you guys can hear this on anchor.fm attached to your Google Play, to your iTunes, you guys Spotify. And then you can also find us on Franken Culture, which, by the way, if you guys don't know, uh, this is the new place where Anthony and I actually run all of our podcasts from is uh, Franken Culture. It's definitely a lot of fun. Uh, these guys do a lot with the pop culture world, um, and I'm also attached to uh, Frankensteiner, which is also a part of Frankenculture. Hopefully, you guys may be able to catch me on some of the other um, other other web uh, podcasts that they have out. It'll be a lot of fun. Hopefully, next week we'll have Anthony back, so you guys don't have to just listen to me ramble on about all the fights that are going on. But uh, you guys take care, and as always, good fight. And good night.